Frankly Daniel Show, and yep, I'm the Daniel in the frankly part of this enterprise. Thank you so very much for joining me. Today, today I need your help. Please, please hear me out. Therapy is just too darned expensive, and I need to get this off my chest. Yes, I'm royally ripped, my blood's been boiling over, and I'm counting on you to commiserate with me. Well, (laughs) I could hear you say, oh, come on now, (laughs) what could be so bad? Well, thanks for asking. First, I can't begin to express how angry I am with that lame speech our socialist President Joe Biden gave us and that COVID-limited gaggle of congressional attendees the other night. I was hoping that Joe was under new geriatric medical care and perhaps blood was now getting to what's left of his rusted-out, corroded brain. I know it was a long, it it was a very long shot, It was a Hail Mary dream that Joe would have come out and said the following. I can't stay long tonight. It's already past my bedtime. But I want you to know I've changed my mind about a few things these past 100 days. First, you can rest assured the Democratic Party has pledged to keeping our constitutionally correct electoral college as a means of electing our president. We're not going to go to a popular vote to pick presidents. There's no way I'm going to give California and New York the keys to crowning our future presidents with some popular vote scheme. Also, forget about the $1.9 trillion in student loan forgiveness. Liz Warren is always in my ear about this. We don't have the money to be Santa Claus. This has to wait. And this will come as a shock to you. I'm sick of wearing masks in the shower and to bed. I'm, I'm just tossing all masks out. No more masks, Dr. Fauci. Would someone tell would someone tell Fauci, oh, just apologize for me. Just tell him no more masks. Can you imagine if Joe also said, I get it. The border's a crisis, in fact. In fact, it's a colossal crisis. I've ordered the Border Patrol to immediately stop all illegal immigration, period. Now, at this point, I expected all those smug congressional Democrats in the audience would have, <laughs> would have launched themselves into the nearest restroom regardless of sex or gender preference. What else was I hoping for uh, Joe to say? Well, how about this? We're only going to build bridges, repair roads, and improve railroads with a bipartisan infrastructure proposal. Otherwise, I won't sign the darn bill. Uh, Next, I was pulling your leg when I said that George's new election integrity law was Jim Crow on steroids. In many ways, George's law is model legislation. And, you know, that Pelosi federal election, that, that lie bill she's been peddling, that, that H.R. 1, that thing that, that she calls a fool, the people act. Well, that's a bridge too far, Nancy. Just, just can't it. Uh, Joe might have said, I'm not for Supreme Court packing. End that story right now. And would you have been surprised if Joe had said, I'm not giving any amnesty to anybody. I'm not giving amnesty to 20 million illegal aliens. It will only encourage more illegal border crossings so the new citizenship laws are out out of the picture. If you can't come here legally, then go back to your home country or or just get in line. Uh, Joe could have said, 
I'm for gun safety laws. I'm against gun control. I'm against any kind of gun control laws. Well, well, he could have said that. In honor of federalism, I wish Joe would have said, No, I'm not going to foist unions and unionization on free workers. States' rights, they have to, they have to, be, they have to be respected. The right-to-work laws are sacred. Why didn't Joe say this? Forget about that D.C. statehood thing. Not on my watch. If D.C. residents want a representative and senators, move to Maryland or Virginia or one of the other 50 states in this, territories in this country. Or maybe Joe would have said this. No to slavery reparations. I know Ancestry.com is a wonderful way to track your ancestors. But what a nightmare trying to decide who gets paid. And why, why open all those old wounds? Many of my created. Funny if Joe had said, Good news, folks. Dr. Jill, you know, you know, the first lady. She says, no new taxes. What about that now? So read my lips. No new taxes. Yep, and I was prepared to fall out of my chair, had Joe said. I've heard gas prices have gone up a buck since I was, I was, uh, since I canceled all that fracking stuff on government lands. You know that fracking. Well, I'm revoking that, and drilling can start in the next hour if they can get to it. And, of course, let's get that Keystone XL pipeline construction restarted. Need another shocker? I, I wanted Joe to say, oh, and uh, I was just kidding about rejoining the Paris Climate Accords. That idiot John Kerry, he, he can be very persistent. But the Green New Deal is a cockamamie idea, and that's the end of that malarkey. Sticking with foreign policy, why didn't Joe say, Iran? Oh, I nearly forgot Iran. Iran can just pound sand. If they continue with those nuclear bomb plans and ideas, well, sand may be all they have to pound going forward. Didn't you want Joe to say this? St uh, sticking with Iran? Uh, yes, I've asked that, that DOJ department of mine to open an investigation into what that John Kerry guy was up to with Iran during them Trump years. I told Kerry, I told him back, I told him back then to coordinate all his foreign contacts with Hunter, my son, who's experienced and wired with all these characters. Wouldn't it have been lovely if Joe had said, I believe in qualified immunity for police officers and other public officials. So you can't use that, that, George, that George Floyd policing act of yours to get rid of it after all. I'm, I'm also protected from frivolous lawsuits by qualified immunity. And finally, what if Joe had said, and the thing I probably was most waiting for, America, America's not systemically racist. Well, of course this speech never happened. But this goes to give you an idea of all the things Joe Biden, his shadow government, congressional Democrats, and the mainstream media have broken in less than a hundred days. Yes, I was more than just disappointed with what Joe really had to say. What he said in short was, there's more costly socialism on the way. Joe's out to spend another $1.8 trillion. As I've said before, Joe doesn't propose anything that doesn't cost at least a trillion. Again, a trillion dollars is a thousand billion dollars. Hmm. I hope you're stirred up. I hope you're motivated to help us take back Congress in 2022. 
We have to. We must stop what Biden's handlers are doing to our pocketbooks and, and to our nation. It's as if when Trump proposed that under his leadership, America would never become a socialist nation. What baseman Joe Biden didn't tell us, mostly because our dishonest mainstream media wouldn't ask him, was whether Susan Rice and other former Obama operatives planned on turning America into a socialist nation before anybody could stop them. And what's even worse, they're using charges of systemic racism to keep us distracted and immobilized while they push their socialism into law before we can shut them down. Where are Democrats on America's racism, you ask? Here's six highly positioned Democrats voicing their views on America and racism. America has a long history of systemic racism. These are systemic problems. We know that racism is something that is systemic and structural. We have now manifestations that are very clear that people see of systemic racism. We have systemic racism. Systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. Yep, old Joe is still peddling that stain on our soul crap. But there's more than just Joe's blatant socialism that I'm angry about. Today I want to talk about cops. I want to talk about the president using his elected position to divide us from the honorable men and women who services law enforcement officers. Oh, old Joe gives lip service to their service. We've all seen the knee of injustice on the neck of black Americans. Now's our opportunity to make some real progress. The vast majority of men and women wearing a uniform and a badge serve our communities and they serve them honorably. So nice of you to say so, Joe, but you still say cops have a boot on the neck of black people. My fellow Americans, we have to come together to rebuild trust between law enforcement and the people they serve, to root out systemic racism in our criminal justice system. Sorry, Joe, but I want to talk about the radical Democrats, yourself included, and the mainstream media perpetually libeling cops as a boot and the sharp edge of American systemic racism. I want to tell you that cops aren't a boot on the neck of any racial group. I want to tell you that radical blacks are victims of their own self-created victimology. I want to say that black lives matter, but not more than any other lives in America. Black lives aren't special, and they're not victims. Blacks are Americans, the same as whites, Hispanics, and every other race that calls these 50 states and our territories home. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina said it best, in his rebuttal to Joe Biden's speech the other night. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. This, the stats show that 90% of crime in the African-American community is black-on-black -black crime. 80-plus percent of white crime is white-on-white -white crime. The same is true for Hispanic crime. And cops that investigate these crimes, they're not picking sides. We need to talk about the evil success radical Democrats, far-left black-and-white activists, and the mainstream media 
are having on destroying policing in America. I want to talk about police departments and police attrition. Yes, I want to talk about cops leaving the profession. Here's some hard truths. I just learned that over 5,346 experienced New York police officers left the police department last year. Yes, they retired or quit. In the end, it's the same difference, right? They're no longer available to form any part of the ever-thinning thin blue line. This is just the beginning exodus of police from one of our nation's greatest cities. That total, 5,346, is up 75% from 2019. Yeah, up 75%. In other words, 15% of the entire New York City police force told the far-left wacko mayor, Bill de Blasio, you can take this job and, yes, shove it. Recently, the New York Post reported that the flurry of New York's finest farewells began right after the Minnesota police-involved killing of George Floyd on May 25, 2020. From May 25th through June 24th of last year, 30 days, 272 uniform officers put in their retirement papers. Currently, the exodus continues. As of April 21st of this year, an additional 831, yes, 831 New York City cops have retired or filed to leave. So what's going on? Why are our most experienced officers jumping ship? Well, why do you think they're leaving? Come on now, you know why they're leaving as well as I do. To top it off, the radical left wants all experienced police officers to retire or leave policing now. Yeah, they're, they're shouting, get out! They're pleased with the success at pushing cops off the job. With joy, they say, go ahead and leave, get out. You're not welcome in our woke world. What? Why? The woke critical race theory breathing left wants current cops gone so they can replace them with new, young, green, and ignorant recruits. These they can trade in their, their own unique, perverse, ideologically driven social justice policing system. And believe me, if you're in one of those, those Democrat-dominated, Democrat-controlled cities or counties, you're not, you're not going to like the woke socialist approach to law enforcement. Is this phenomena, that this de de devastating phenomena, unique to New York? Of course, it's not. It's being replicated across the country, particularly in blue counties and blue cities. Listen to Joe Gamaldi, who's vice president of the Fraternal Order of Police. So I don't know how to be any more frank than this. Our profession is dying in New York. Our retirements were up 75%. On the recruitment side, the New Jersey State Troopers said they saw a 90% reduction in applications. In Colorado, 70% of agencies said that their recruitment is tanking. And the exodus continues. Chicago, the black-on-black -black murder capital of the nation, saw an already lean department recently lose 560 officers. That's up 15%. As Joe Gamaldi said, 241 Colorado police officers resigned or retired immediately after Colorado's police reform bill, SB 217, 
was signed into law by the state's Democratic governor. At issue, a provision that allows for officers to be personally sued and held liable for 5% of any court judgment or settlement against them or $25,000, whichever is less. The Colorado law wiped away the long-standing provision of qualified immunity. Qualified immunity is a very hot and divisive topic. Qualified immunity ensured that when an officer acted in good faith under the authority of the city or county government, they couldn't be personally sued. Other provisions within the new law also have these officers balking and leaving, like a requirement to intervene on another officer using excessive force, or they have to face a misdemeanor charge. So what are the objective criteria for intervention? Do you think it's always clear to officers? What if the intervention results in an officer's injury or death? Let me ask you, are you always clear with your spouse when it comes to intervention with your children? Or, say, a neighbor? This Colorado law also bars all chokeholds, but provides officers no other new means by which to control a violent or unruly suspect. These two parts of the law may appear sensible after the George Floyd murder, but none of these other parts are as disconcerting as the personal financial liability. Why would a cop, or you for that matter, put your family at financial risk every day hour after hour. The New York City Council recently voted to remove qualified immunity from the New York Police Department, making it far easier to personally sue a cop and turning the job into a liability minefield. Qualified immunity is one of the most misunderstood issues involving officers' rights. Let's go back to Joe Gamaldi, the Fraternal Order of Police's National Vice President. Here's what he had to say. But qualified immunity does not protect officers from criminal charges or internal investigations or internal discipline or even being fired. All it does is protect an officer who is within policy, training, and the law from civil liability. It doesn't protect an officer who knowingly violates the civil rights of an individual in our community. And another thing, too, people seem to think that qualified immunity is just a given. That's not the case. In the last 200 cases handled by the lower courts, qualified immunity was only given to 57 percent of the officers. So if you're asking what we need, we need support from our community, but we need to be a part of the conversation. Here's how Senator Lindsey Graham, who's an attorney as well as a senator, here's what he thinks about qualified immunity. Qualified immunity is a very big deal. If you want to destroy policing in America, make sure that every cop can be sued when they leave the house. Yes, Republicans stand firmly in favor of keeping qualified immunity for police officers. But Democrats, well, Democrats are hell-bent and determined to strike qualified immunity out of every police bill of rights in the country. They claim you can't hold officers accountable for their misbehavior unless qualified immunity is struck down. Here's Congressional Democrat Representative Ms. Cory Bush of St. Louis, yes, St. Louis, Missouri, on qualified immunity. You know, right now we need to end qualified immunity, period. You know, that's my stance. So we compromise on so much, you know, we compromise, we die. We compromise, we die. We compromise, we die. 
You know, I'm, I didn't come to Congress to compromise on what keeps us, what could keep us alive because it holds police officers specifically accountable. Because the thing is this, if you don't hurt people, if you don't kill people, if you, if you are just and fair in your work, then does qualified and do you need the qualified immunity anyway? Ms. Uh, Cori Bush uh, represents the nation's 13th most dangerous city in the world in 2020. That is by murder rate per 100,000 inhabitants. You'd think she'd be perhaps pro-cop and not anti-cop. Ms. Cori Bush is a far-left activist who still claims that Michael Brown Jr., an 18-year-old black man at the time, uh, he was fatally shot on August 9 of 2014 by a 28-year-old white alleged racist Ferguson police officer, Mr. Darren Wilson, you may remember, in the city of Ferguson, Missouri, the suburb of St. Louis. Uh, this despite the fact that Obama's Department of Justice cleared Officer Wilson of all civil rights violations, including racism. Now, it's important to know that uh, eliminating qualified immunity for police officers is a key plank in the George Floyd Policing Act. The White House, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer, they're all pushing hard to see this become the law of the nation. As we've already heard, qualified immunity isn't a, a, an, an absolute immunity, and it, is, it isn't a law. Instead, it's a legal doctrine. Congress can still pass a law at any time to revoke or to confirm it. Critics claim the doctrine has enabled police officers to violate the rights of citizens, particularly minorities, without any repercussions. You know, we compromise, we die. We compromise, we die. We compromise, we die, as per Ms. Cori Bush. As practiced by the courts today, the facts of any given case must be sufficiently clear that a reasonable officer would understand that they were violating a constitutional or statutory right of a defendant by their policing actions. At times, officers must make split-second decisions in very stressful circumstances. The shootings of Micaiah Bryant is a case in point. This 16-year-old black girl was shot by a Columbus police officer who was called to the scene of a girl-on-girl fight. This officer had all of 0.83 seconds to make a decision to intervene with deadly force. Not even a full second, 0.83 seconds. As I said, not even a full second to make a decision. The Columbus police officer who was dispatched to the scene of this knife fight, he had a total of 10 seconds from the time he left his patrol car to the time he had to decide to draw his firearm and decide to shoot a girl who was wielding a knife, or he had to let that girl mortally stab another girl. Well, here's a warning. I'm going to play the audio of that 10 seconds that that officer got out of the car and started talking to the scene. Here it is. Just just listen. Hey! Hey, what's going on? What's going on? Hey! 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 Get down! Get down! Now, here's a clip of Joy Behart on The View the very next day. To me, and I've looked at the tape and I still can't figure it out. Shoot the gun in the air. There's a warning. Tase a person. Shoot them in the leg. Shoot them in the behind. Apparently, uh, Miss Behart isn't familiar with the laws of physics. 
If you shoot a bullet into the air, gravity says it's got to come down somewhere, hopefully not on a living being. Also, police have strict rules against warning shots. You might just hit somebody else. Shoot them in the butt? What, big butts matter now? Just because Crazy Joe thinks you can shoot an assailant in the leg, what if you miss? You don't get a second chance. Use a taser? Tasers aren't as fast, as reliable as a firearm, and tasers aren't, they're not harmless. More on that later. But the most remarkable thing about this Joy Behart clip is that it took exactly, exactly the same amount of time to play the entire clip, 10 seconds, as it took this officer to leave his car, walk to the fight scene, and literally, literally make a split-second decision to discharge his firearm, taking a life to save a life. Just 10 seconds. The wisdom of the view was in full form that day. Here's a clip from another view host, Sonny Houston, who is next in line to offer her opinion. My question is, you know, why is Deadly Force always the first order of business? And especially the first order of business when it comes to uh, black and brown people in this country. She asks, why is Deadly Force always the first order of business when it comes to black and brown people? Well, Sonny, that's because the mainstream media blows these cases up as if they're occurring hourly. Yes, how quick we are to judge. This clip, by the way, of Sonny took exactly the same amount of time it took the officer to leave his car, literally make a split-second decision, and discharge his firearm, taking a life to save a life. All three clips, exactly 10 seconds. And if that's not enough, then listen to Jen Pisaki at a press briefing the day after this tragic shooting. The opportunity uh, the killing of 16-year-old Michaela Bryant by the Columbus police is tragic. She was a child. We're thinking of her friends and family and the communities that are hurting and grieving her loss. We know that police violence disproportionately impacts uh, Black and Latino people in communities and that Black women and girls, like Black men and boys, experience higher rates of police violence. We also know that there are particular vulnerabilities that children in foster care, care like Micaiah, face. And her death came, as you noted, just as America was hopeful of a step forward after the traumatic and exhausting trial of Derek Chauvin and the verdict that was reached. So our focus is on um, working to address systemic racism and implicit bias head on, and of course, to passing laws and legislation that will put much needed reforms into place at police departments around the country. No one, no one in media, and I mean no one, has asked how this officer's doing. Do you think this officer just blew this off as another day as a cop? So this teenager was shot because she was black. And blacks are disproportionately shot by cops, right? You're saying there was explicit bias. What crap! This, according to the White House spokesperson's words and tones, was a systemic racist shooting. And we know the White House is backing an effort, the George Floyd Policing Act, to be specific, that will put police and police departments on notice because it will strip officers of qualified immunity. What a, what a disrespectful, loathsome, and callous statement. And as for the George Floyd Policing Act, Pelosi brought the bill to the House floor, allowed no debate or amendments to the bill, and passed it on a straight party line. 
Well, I'm a little overheated, so let's take a short break. I'm going to get myself a cold beverage. Why don't you get yourself one as well? You all come on back. I'll be here. Hello, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton, the host of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement. I am a 34-year police veteran. I am also the founder and CEO of an organization that stands behind injured and disabled law enforcement officers. It is called The Wounded Blue. Our website is thewoundedblue.org. We have produced a film. It is an important film. I urge you to watch it. The film details what happens when a police officer or law enforcement officer is shot or stabbed or beaten or disabled, seriously injured in the line of duty. Most people think they are taken care of medically and financially. The reality may be quite different. It is called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. The film is available on Amazon, iTunes, and the Microsoft Store. The America Out Loud family is comprised of patriots in the true sense of the word. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty and the Constitution to help save America for future generations to come. AmericaOutloud.com It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Greetings and hallucinations, and welcome back to the Frankly Daniel Show. If you heard any part of President Joe Biden's quasi-state of our disunion the other evening, then you know how important conservative talk radio is to all of us. And if you're into talk radio, the America Out Loud radio network is the place you need to be dialed into. America Out Loud has a deep and wide array of programming covering every critical topic and crisis important to conservatives. I know time's short, so allow me to recommend a show or two for you to sample this week. The first I want to recommend is entitled Chasing Justice. It's with uh, Lieutenant Joe, and it's on weekdays at 3 p.m. 
Lieutenant Cho has a unique perspective on crime and punishment, criminal investigation, and the causes of violence in our society today. The other program I highly recommend is the McAuliffe Report, and it airs Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m., and then there's an encore at 7 p.m. Dr. McAuliffe is an internist, a cardiologist, an epidemiologist, a clinical professor of medicine, and this is an awesome listen. Uh, trust me, you really need to dial into this. Saturdays and Sundays, 2 p.m., encore at 7 p.m. Well, before the break, I was talking about Michaela Bryant, who was shot dead by a Columbus police officer while trying to save the life of another teenager. Democrats in the White House are trying to ramrod the George Floyd Policing Act into law against the better judgment of police and most Republicans. This law would strip police officers of qualified immunity. Like all things these past 100 days, Democrats are trying to strong-arm this bill into law as they pander to BML, or Black Lives Matter, and the radical left media. The Fraternal Order of Police VP said this about how the Democrats work with police organizations to reform the practice of policing. When Congress met and the House of Representatives passed the George Floyd Act, they didn't even ask input from law enforcement. There was no debate on the floor. Thankfully, Senator Scott and his team are willing to hear from us so that we can tell them we agree with certain things in these bills. Poor Joe Gamaldi's uh, voice there is just about shot. A lot of talking these last couple of days about police reform. Well, here's what Senator Tim Scott himself said about the Democrats' use of the filibuster to tank his police reform bill, which had tremendous support in the Senate. The same filibuster that President Obama and President Biden praised when they were senators, the same filibuster that the Democrats used to kill my police reform bill last year, has not suddenly become a racist relic just because the shoe is now on the other foot. Race is not a political weapon to settle every issue the way one side wants. It's far too important. As a side note, the birth mother of the Columbus teenager who was killed has another daughter who is also in foster care. That mother has allegedly already filed a civil suit against the Columbus Police Department and the officer for wrongful death. As of April 1st, 213 people have been killed by police in the line of duty. 30 of these were black. While Micaiah Bryant's death happened since then, with the exception of three or four other police shootings, have you heard about any of these other 26 or 27 deaths? Why not? Well, it's because they don't fit into the narrative that cops are hunting blacks, as alleged by LeBron James. But the few that do surface end up being high-profile, rush-to-public-judgment cases. For instance, Valerie Jarrett, a former senior advisor to President Obama, she tweeted, quote, A teenage black girl named Mikhail Bryant was killed because a police officer immediately decided to shoot her multiple times in order to break up a knife fight. Demand accountability, fight for justice. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Well, that certainly was helpful, wasn't it? LeBron James tweets out a picture of the officer and says, quote, you're next, end quote, hashtag accountability. Now, that was also very helpful, James. 
Then he deletes the tweet, saying, other people were using it to spread hate. <laughs> oh, really? But no one's asking how the officer's doing. We pay a young man $50,000 a year to be put in this situation, to risk his career, his livelihood, and to put his family in financial and psychological peril. And also, he gets the chance to be called a racist. The Columbus shooting wasn't a mistake, nor was it a moment of bad judgment. I doubt the teenager who was about to be stabbed thought this was a systematic racist moment. I hope you can see why qualified immunity is a scalding hot topic. If the George Floyd Policy Act is passed, as currently written, I predict there will be no longer a thin blue line. It will simply evaporate and there will be chaos. What can you do? What can you do about it? Call. Yes, I'm serious. Call your senators and tell them you want qualified immunity to remain in any bill they pass as part of any kind of police reform. Tell them you want qualified immunity to remain. Tell them, don't you dare take it away. Don't you take it out of any bill. Make sure it remains there. So I'm at the point where I want to ask you, are police systemically racist? Are police departments racist hangouts? Are they the last lodge for white supremacy as charged by the left and the mainstream media? Here's the, here's the challenge. Leo Terrell, a black civil rights attorney, I'm sure you probably have seen him on the Fox channel, he offered this challenge to anyone who thinks cops are systemic racists. There is no systemic racism within law enforcement in this country, especially in democratic cities where people of color are running the cities. I was challenged the White House and my colleague to name me the town. Let's not just say the word. Name me the head of the department that is implementing a pattern and practice of racial discrimination against people of color. Importantly, Mr. Terrell asked for a very specific name of a department where there's a demonstrable pattern and, and practice of police systemic racism. Democrats in the mainstream media, they, they can't give you a name of a racist cop or a racist police department because they'd be sued for defamation and they'd have a very hard time prevailing in that kind of a suit. Instead, they imply, they paint with a broad brush, they tar, they besmirch. The bottom line is new laws against qualified immunity and other anti-cop initiatives are driving officer attrition big time in cities like Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Atlanta, New York, New Jersey, and most, most blue and Democrat-run cities and states. So does anyone really care if cops are leaving and moms are being told not to let their children grow up to become cops or, or cowpersons, I guess? Here's the gut punch. All of this expertise is leaving law enforcement at a time when major American cities saw a 33% increase in homicides in 2020, a crime surge that continues into 2021. According to a report by the Major Cities Chiefs Association, 63 of 66 of the largest police jurisdictions saw increases in at least one category of violent crimes in 2020. Now this includes homicide, rape, robbery, aggravated assault, 
As if this is not enough, murder skyrocketed by 37% in 57 of the nation's largest police jurisdictions in 2020. The rise in Seattle was up 74% over 2019 and up 56% in Chicago. New York, once the national example for how to cut crime rates in the 1990s, saw a 45% hike in murders and a 97% increase in shootings in 2020. Homicides in Philadelphia this past January were, were already a, ahead by 55% from where they were at the same point a year ago. And all of this is on top of more than 20,000 homicides in America in 2020. That's a mark that hasn't been crossed since the early 1990s. Of course, Democrats are excusing the cop exodus and the rise in violent crime on the COVID pandemic. Why not? But radical Democrats, illogically known somehow as progressives, are also pointing to the coming of their terrible swift sword, that sword being racial justice, as to why morally guilty cops are leaving policing. This despite the fact that our police forces are increasingly racially integrated. Nationally, over 15% of law enforcement is black. That's a bigger share than blacks are in our population. Well, on top of all this woe, there's still more bad news to report. But there's also some good news. So, so which do you want first? Uh, let, let's go with the good news first. Fox News just released the poll results of their April nationwide survey. They asked this question. Do you favor or do you oppose? Do you favor or oppose reducing funding for police departments and moving those funds to mental health, housing, or other social services? Now, 33% of respondents agreed with reducing the funding of police departments. 5% they didn't said they didn't have an opinion. However, 62% of respondents disagreed with reducing funding. That 62% is the good news. This is a sea change from the Fox News poll done in June of last year, where only 46% of respondents opposed reducing police department funding. Today, 62% opposition to reducing funding is a huge jump in the right direction. In other words, there's an 18% increase in favor of leaving the police department funding alone. But Democrats haven't moved one, one percentage point in that direction. And you can see this in the detailed reports of the April 2021 polling numbers. Of the 62% who opposed defunding police, in other words, they weren't at all happy with taking money away from cops, 87% of these were Republicans. Only 13% of Democrats said, leave the police funding alone. Sticking with the polling numbers, NBC's polling unit asked a question of likely voters between April 17th and 20th of this year. The question they asked was, how united would you say the country is? How united would you say the country is today? 82% said the country is totally divided. Only 16% said we are totally united. I have to tell you, I'm with the 82% who say we're totally divided. 
I'd like to know about the 16% of respondents who said America is totally united. Have they been living in an underground bomb shelter or something over the, the last year? My nerves. Moving right through the polling number, CNN asked registered voters to complete this question. Policing in America needs, and there were four choices, policing in America needs complete overhaul, major changes, minor changes, works pretty well, okay? 53% of Americans said policing needs a complete overhaul or major changes. Only 47% of Americans said policing needs minor changes or works pretty well. Now, when you break that down by race, 76% of blacks said policing needs a complete overhaul or major changes. 47% of whites said policing needs a complete overhaul or major changes. It's a pretty big gap. By party affiliation, oh, he probably already guessed this one. 79% of Democrats said policing needs a complete overhaul or major changes. Only 23% of Republicans said policing needs a complete overhaul or major changes. One thing's glaringly obvious. Republicans and Democrats are miles apart on any and all issues involving police reform. What we don't know is how much mainstream media and social media has had to do with these opinions versus people's actual experience. I mean, not vicarious experience or, or the influence peddling that the left does, but actual experience with the police. Several years ago, uh, I got a ticket for speeding. I was pretty mad. Not at the cop who wrote it, but at myself for being absent-mindedly caught. My first thought was, you know, to get one of those radar detectors that warns you when you're being speed-trapped. Perhaps if I were African-American, though, instead of being mad that I got caught, I'd be mad that the cop wrote me up because I was black. By the way, I never, I never purchased that radar detection device. <laughs> I'm still waiting for Santa Claus to drop one off. Despite the sea change in the recent Fox News poll, I mean, attitudes about defunding the police are, they're causing skilled, experienced police officers to just walk out. Morale isn't just temporarily low. It's, it's flat line from the people I talk to. This is why I'm worried, and I'm worried angry. Not at these departing officers. I'd probably do the same. I admire and I trust and I respect cops who get up every day to keep our world as, as honest as honest can be in a, in a very divided America. I'm angry with Democrats for promoting and following a deadly ideology tied to anarchists who aren't really interested in improving policing in America. Their cute, catchy phrases like reimagining policing is camouflage for destroying another foundational pillar of what I like to think is American life. And I think it works pretty well for all of us. You know, bad cop Derek Chauvin, isn't, he's not the tip of any evil racist police iceberg. Police have more than 60 million police citizens encounters every year. 60 million encounters. They make over 10 million arrests every year. Police have over 2 million encounters each year that require the use of force or threaten force to gain a subject's compliance. You know, don't fight it. For heaven's sakes, 
if there's anything we've seen over the last couple of months, is don't resist arrest. In the line of duty, police shot to death a total of 1,031 people in 2020. 457 were white, 241 were black, that was 23%, 169 were Hispanic, and 154 were other or unknown. So it's 44% white, 23% black, 16% Hispanic. All I hear from radical Democrats and the propaganda-driven mainstream media are claims that police are out every day purposely making funeral arrangements for black people as if uh, there's some unspoken quota. Here's another thing that drives me absolutely bananas. Geraldo Rivera is going to give us his opinion about the dangers of policing. There are every year in our country about 100 cops who are killed in the line of duty. That's horrible. It's a, it's a really tough job. There are also 1,000 on average, about 1,000 citizens who are killed by cops every year. A black person is more than twice as likely as a white person to be killed by a cop. Some of that happens because black people live in more crime-laden areas, more dangerous areas where cops are more on edge. I, I get that. Yes, Geraldo, 264 federal, state, military, tribal, and local law enforcement officers lost their lives in 2020 doing their jobs. I don't hear anybody chanting, say their names, say their names. There are approximately 697,000 full-time police officers in America. If you're going to compare uh, cop deaths to police-inflicted homicides, you have to look at 264 police deaths and a population of nearly 700,000 officers compared to 1,031 fatal police homicides in a population of over 300 million people. And even this is a poor way to compare these numbers. I mean, in short, you have a greater chance of being killed as an officer than being killed by an officer. Moreover, I, I really deplore the characterization that police responding to a call or patrolling in a black neighborhood, that they're somehow a bit more edgy or jumpy, and perhaps this accounts for the number of police shootings. Also, Geraldo, if 90% of black crime is black on black crime, where do you think police are likely to encounter not only the victims of black crime, but also the perpetrators of black crime? Here's Geraldo Rivera advancing the emotional narrative that all black moms are up all night wondering if their sons will come home after driving around all night. I spoke with two black moms, both professional women, yesterday. They told me, they tell me in, in, in passion terms how fearful they are for their law-abiding teenage sons when they drive around at night. That terror felt by black parents is real. Yes, Geraldo, I don't doubt their concern. But their sons have as much chance of being killed by lightning as being shot dead by an officer. That is, unless they stand out in a thunder and lightning storm holding up a long, highly conductive metal pole. You're the one, Geraldo, you're the one hyping these events. No, I would never want one of my family members to be shot and killed by a police officer. I'd want to know what they were doing in a situation to be shot in the first place. But yes, police better have a darn good excuse for taking the life of, of my loved family member. You know, 
I do know, and I, I do understand police are held accountable every time they discharge their firearm. They're accountable for every single bullet. For Democrats, they continue to believe police are villains, and expensive racist villains at that. Does any one of these anti-police groups like Black Lives Matter know how much this nation spends annually on police law enforcement? Policing policing's a bargain. It's, a, it's an absolute bargain. I was shocked to learn that we spend only $200 billion on policing each year. This is the sum total of all public policing across the entire country each year. $200 billion, well, that's not peanuts, but given that Congress has already spent nearly $6 trillion on COVID relief in less than 12 months, $200 billion is pocket change. If the left wants social workers to ride along, then increase the police budget and add social workers. I question how many times a social worker is a substitute for a trained officer. They may be excellent compliments, but they're rarely, they're rarely substitutes. You can never know when a seemingly calm situation will instantly escalate into violence. This just came in, and I'd like to try and get it into this broadcast. A North Carolina judge refused to publicly release the body cam footage of the police shooting death of Andrew Brown Jr. in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, on April 21, 2021, but said Brown's family may view the videos within 10 days. Ben Crump, a lawyer for the family, I'm sure you've seen a fair amount of Ben Crump recently, he said in a statement that they were disappointed the judge refused to release all of the footage. Now, Crump and other black justice activists criticized authorities after Brown's family watched a short 20-second video clip from one of the deputy's body-worn cameras. Family members who saw the footage described it as an execution. Brown's family has pushed for all the body-worn cameras of the seven deputies that were at the scene to be shared publicly. Now, personally, I don't know the truth of this matter, but I do believe the judicial system will hold everyone accountable who should be held accountable for another perhaps unfortunate death. But this judge must know that the liberal mainstream media would use this body cam video to publicly prosecute this case. Moreover, the media would push a predetermined racially based narrative, making it darn near impossible to seat an unbiased jury. Crump and black activists are already positioning this as a racial murder. We do not feel that we got transparency. We only saw a snippet of the video. We in black America don't understand why when a black person is going away from you, you think it's allowed to shoot them in the back and kill them. He got executed. It ain't right. It ain't right at all. I've never been talked to like I was talked to in there. Mr. Cox told me, a grown black man, that he was not going to be bullied. None of this talk is going to bring anybody together. Finally, let's talk about accountability. Blue cities like Los Angeles, Philadelphia, and New York City have prosecutors who aren't interested in prosecuting. You know, officers no sooner arrest criminals for felonies and these perpetrators, these assailants are back out on the street in hours because they're being released without bail. Prosecutors are no longer going to pursue what has been considered small crimes, shoplifting, prostitution, drunken and disorderly. 
things that we would have considered the broken window problem in the neighborhood back in the Mayor Giuliani days. We're doing ourselves no favors. Well, I'm not claiming there's a cause and effect, but I just want you to know that I renewed my NRA membership for the next five years. I've never felt the need for a Second Amendment like I felt that need these last two years. Well, we're coming to a close, and boy, am I glad to have gotten all of that off my chest. I can't possibly thank you enough. You were marvelous and so patient with me. Let's do this talk therapy again next week. Same place, same time. Until then, cheers and blessings.